Good evening, ladies and gents. You can see I'm from the laziest position possible doing this. I wish I could be. It's too dark in my room. Oh, yeah. Bitch, shit. That's why I bought these little desk lights. <laughs> my office is too small to put anything other than a chair in here. Oh, no. These things are, like, super small. They literally just sit on No, I know. I can't. No, my... I'll never get shit done if I'm in my actual bed. It's too comfy. I fall asleep. Oh, and bitch, please. That's I called can't, ASMR. I can't put anything that's not a chair in this room. So, Do you know the number of niggas that get off on people, like, watching people sleep? It is I know, slightly concerning. Very. <laughs> not to kink shame, but it's like... That's it's, just, it's still okay. a little on the, like, the call is coming from inside the house, though. Like, bitch. <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the call. The entire diatribe is right there on the couch next to you. <laughs> um, okay, well, welcome, ladies and gents, kings, queens. God damn it. Kings, queens, things, everyone, and everybody in between. I am Lee from the D, desperately trying to put his phone on vibrate. Back with... I'm Shay of Shay's Beauty Diary, who remembered to unplug her home pod today, so it will not be going off this time. <laughs> Ah, okay so i'm not gonna say uptown and fat joe's not gonna come out of nowhere no i am i remember to unplug it today so she's off she's not gonna be talking to us at random you know no clips are randomly gonna pop on i i know that's right Uh, although i do enjoy the fact that the eclipse that the clips announce when i'm home are you serious yes Whenever my whenever my phone gets in within Bluetooth vicinity of my home pod, which is usually when I'm in the elevator, clips will start playing and everybody knows that I'm about to come in the house. <laughs> huh. Yeah. <laughs> I That's usually actually... I actually did it so that they would unlock the door because usually I'm coming home with stuff. They never unlock the door. I'm like, y'all know oh, I'm coming. <laughs> They just be like, "Mama home," basically. <laughs> and be sitting there. Depending on the day, sometimes Brooklyn just come cut it off and go back to watching the show. I know that's right. Just like, okay, thank you for letting me know you're home. <laughs> I could tell you were home when you walked in the door. Nah, because it'd be on really soon as I get in the building, it comes on. Mm-mm. I kind of want a home pod for that now. <laughs> could you imagine all the kind of like fucked up shit i'd end up playing to scare the shit out of people because you can set it to say anything yeah no dude, that would be i don't need that that's like a megaphone i don't need that i don't need any more access to, i mean like, you can also nuts. use it as an intercom and then you can also just have it cut on from ramp just go onto your phone and cut it on too girl no i don't need no uh, that's not a good idea that's not a good idea for either one of us yeah no all right y'all well this week <laughs> into the home pod <laughs> right um outside of our quick amazon review um we've got a review of this is pop um this is part two yes and um 
It was interesting. And one thing I realized with this entire series, it feels like only maybe two episodes at most are done by the same people. Like there's, yeah. it's very different styles. It's different um, styles, but cohesive in a sense. Kind of. In, in kind a sense, there's some episodes that it's just like, whoo, you went way left. But then it's like, yeah. But it's also, I say cohesive because even though there are some that are wildly different they all took the best approach to tell the story they were telling. That's the thing is they had very specific stories in mind that they were going to tell. Because it's like, Um, I don't think you could use the same cinematography, the same videography and all those things to tell the story of country music going pop that you would use to tell the story of the festivals, especially since so much of it centered around Woodstock 99. Uh, yeah, well, I, with the festivals, the only a portion of it, like, they really didn't talk about Woodstock that much. I mean, they I talked about, about like, Woodstock what an epic fail it was. Yeah, and they didn't and even mention how, fire. Kinda, but see, it was, like, kind of the catalyst or Altamont. the festival that we know now. Because I don't... Okay. There's a two-part thing I'm about to say that I'm really about to age myself. One, I actually watched Woodstock 99 like Same on, on TV. Yeah. Did not remember that Lynn Biscuit was there. Don't know how I didn't remember, but I like blocked them out. So I was No, I remember. I yeah, never mind. Love for yeah. No, I actually like Lynn Biscuit. I just, for some reason, blocked them out of my head for that period of time. But I think by the time they was yelling about breaking shit, people was actually breaking shit. So yeah. But it also, also like I remember, and you might too, how miserable it used to be going to those like standing room outside events. Yeah. Like if you could find a bathroom, it was gross. Yeah. It, you know, the water was $6. There was no free option. There was, you know, they were mm-hmm. always just all about making money versus when you go to the festivals now, it's a lot more comfort taken into account. And that's why I say like Woodstock 99 was kind of like that turning point because that's the one that people really started to like revolt and fuck shit up. Yeah. Versus, you know what I'm saying? And it was like kind of this frustration had been building anyway. And then when it was with this one, when it was so clear just about money and about capitalizing off the fact that they had these kids' attention because of this anniversary of Woodstock, Mm -hmm. it just didn't, nah. (laughs) Well, what they did was they took a generation of people who were already um, exhausted on the idea and the concept of being marketed to by large corporations. Mm -hmm. They told them that their favorite artists are going to be here at this 30-year anniversary of a legendary American music festival. Of this legendary festival in counterculture. And and concept in the concept. That's what I'm saying. This is like a legendary 
counterculture festival. What although we can look back at it in the 60s and say that wasn't really counterculture, that was the culture, but at the time it was counterculture. No, but definitely at the time. Yeah. They took this like emblem of fuck the system and put it in front of a generation of kids that were already like, God, this shit sucks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, where 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 I was going was um so this generation of kids who hate be marketed to, they were already marketed to by like, we're going to just call it Woodstock Corporation at this point because yeah. it's an entity that took on the, unfortunately, I had to take on the responsibility for this shit. Yeah. Um, so Woodstock in, it, in and of itself is marketing too, um, as well as they mentioned that the ATMs, um, the ATMs going down and people not being able to buy water. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the only thing. Like porta potties and shit were fucked Honestly, up. The porta potties were flooded. The food yep. trucks were running out. Like there wasn't yep. any food really available. Because I remember, because again, we watched this shit happen. And if you could get some, it was it was trash. It was garbage. They basically it was like the fire festival before the fire festival. It was just that the music actually showed up at this one. But that's true. Yeah, it was. And maybe that's why they didn't talk about Fire Festival. Because Fire Festival wasn't technically a festival. It was something. <laughs> I think I think just from a technical standpoint, in order to be a festival, you have to have entertainment show up. Yeah. Uh, Fire Festival was just um, it was a camping excursion. It was. But then also, like, if you Think back to kind of where our generation was at that time, right? Yeah. It was like we were, because 99, I was, I mean, I was in high school, but it was like we were the youngest kids that remembered Nirvana, right? Mm Mm-hmm. We were like we were on the cusp. We were on the cusp. So it was like the kids that because most of the people that went were college age and a little older, you know, young 20s, early 20s to very young 30s. It wasn't really a lot of high school kids there because we couldn't afford the shit. What were they? They were Gen Xers. Yeah, but that was the last hurrah for Gen X. It it really was, and it was also for like people like me and you, it's older millennials. It's like these are the artists that we're listening to too. So this is the shit we wanted to go to. We were the people they were marketing to. You know what I'm saying? Because it was like we remember that kind of helplessness of the grunge era, and kind of how that shifted into the. Rage Against the Machine era, where it's like fuck all this shit, like yeah, and we because we were we were young, but we were there, mm-hmm. so we wanted to be in that crowd, and for us at that time to kind of watch it fall apart the way it did, and I didn't think about this until I got grown and was just happened to be thinking about no, because Limp Biscuit came on the radio. So I started thinking about just other stuff, but it was like, give me something to break. 
Yeah. And I was like, geez, we were angsty. That's kind of how I looked yeah. at it. Like, but it's like, if you think about kind of where we were mentally and how it was kind of like everything was falling apart and nothing made sense. We were trying to figure out why people wanted to buy Hummers. Like nothing made sense to us, right? It was the early aughts and it, it was, was the extreme, it was the beginning of the extreme like, era. And yes, and everybody was like everything was super large there. And we were just like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. So then you see this this festival that had always been sold to us as this like spiritual, peaceful experience and you go and everybody just kind of vibes and loves each other, you know, the way Coachella is sold to us now. But, and kind of watch it kind of divulge into crazy town where it looks like they're like ripping each other apart. Yeah. It kind of, kind of nailed the cynicism right on in there, right? Because it's like, even the Peace and Love Festival don't work now. Yeah, uh, the the way that Woodstock 99 devolved into pure chaos was in reality, nothing more than a symbol and a product of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And it... Because everything was like bigger, bigger, more, more, but... Right. And you know what, though? A fair, and and I'm going to say it, um, I do believe a fair portion of that goes to not just the environment created by the entity of Woodstock as well, but even to the acts that were booked. Like Limp Biscuit should never been at at Woodstock 99. Marilyn Manson should have never been at Woodstock 99. If you're on stage and you see this crowd getting angry and hostile and divulging into chaos, maybe singing a song called Break Stuff isn't the best option. That any of their anything from no hot dog star chocolate starfish shouldn't chocolate starfish anything from um two dollar bill should not have been played like it was just it was bad and I I mean it was about money kind of violent too but no it was but it came out later yeah yeah um no anything no it did any of those ads it came out it was ninety nine when that came out no I was in high school when that came out chocolate starfish and hot dog flavor water. I'm pretty sure that was like 2000, 2001. Now I have to look. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, the the promoters and the bookers for Woodstock. Yeah, at least 2002 in October 17, 2000. Okay. So um, the other was the 99. That's the one with Faith on it. Yeah. And Nookie, no. right? No, that's the one with Nookie on it. I Nookie thought Nookie was on $2 bill. No, Nookie and Break Stuff are on Significant Other. Faith is on. On $2 bill. Yeah. They only had like three albums. Yeah, because this had In Together now on there too. Oh my God, I forgot about that damn song. I like that song. Um, yeah, the bookers for Woodstock. They actually have more albums than up. we knew. Actually, there's no, a no, lot no. here. No, they they only have three. <laughs> I mean, does that matter? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they only have three. The other three, the other five or six, we don't even need to talk about. Because they released one in 2011. 
They only have three. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Booker is made like I, I do believe that it was a huge mistake. They just pulled the TRL like charts, this. and most of them shouldn't have been there. But that was all about money. Yeah, and that that's was all what I'm about saying. like they literally pulled the TRL the charts you can. and threw them all there together, and they should like because Method Man and Red Man shouldn't have been there. I give Red, Method Man and Red Man more of a leeway than yeah, because somebody they're like gonna, a, they're just gonna get on stage and have fun and like barrel roll and do fun that's shit. The thing that's yeah. the thing. Like they're not they're not gonna be up there talking about give me something to break. <laughs> that that's what I'm getting at. You yeah, know what I mean? It was it, it was just poorly booked and poorly done. Yeah, and it's like. It's like when you take the fact that the, they just kind of, they literally just threw everybody that was in the Billboard Hot 100 on this bit on this list. So yeah. now you got all these disparate crowds coming together. Yeah. Which is already going to be a level of tension there because it's, it's hard to vibe when the person next to you got the stank face, right? So And also stinks. That's it. <laughs> So it's like you got all these disparate crowds together because there's no rhyme or reason to this lineup. Add to the fact you're packing all these people in a field in the middle of fucking nowhere. In the middle of summer. In the middle of summer without access to water for free. And everything before you is double or triple the price everything is triple the price atms don't work there's not nearly enough bathrooms for the number of tickets yep. so there's yep. it's like all these things together of course there was no set it was a perfect store yeah of course there was no set it on fire like well um while we're still on the topic of festivals um i did notice that one of the ones that they did not mention um as far as like big American festivals that were failures was Altamont, which that yeah. was the one in which the Hell's Angels were paid to do security. And they they did what they were paid to do. They did. They did Don't see what the problem. they were paid to do. I do believe one person got shot. So, I, I mean, you paid the Hell's Angels. The wildest way possible, but they did but, it. You paid the Hell's Angels. You paid the for Hell's security. Angels. Like you knew what you they were did doing, what they were paid to do. Yes. You wanted the Hell's Angels to be security. They did exactly that. And that's the thing. You wanted the Hell's Angels. You cannot be mad because you got the Hell's Angels. That's what you asked. That's it. That's it. You, you wanted them. Exactly you got them. What you asked for. You you asked for them. The thing about festivals in general is that it's like you have to be very careful and very cognizant of the audience. Like it's it's too many people, it's too many factors, it's too much, it's kind of too much of everything to be lackadaisical about the way that you put this together. Right. Um because they actually proved that um, they showed that like festivals can be put together in a how do I say this 
a productive, nonviolent way. way. <laughs> Ethical. There we go. <laughs> because, um, I mean, we see it all the time with, although there's complaints about Coachella, too. There's always going to be complaints. Oh, Coachella is like the, the epitome of capitalize, capitalizing upon. like Oh, very much so. Very, very much so. But if you're going to look at a well-put-together festival... Yeah. I mean, it's what Coachella... Coachella is exactly what Woodstock 99 tried to be. That's it. And you know what? You saw the guy that mentioned that... Um, after Woodstock 99, he went to the first Coachella. Yeah. And he was talking about how they were handing out like actual bottles of water to show that, yep. oh, okay, we saw what you did at 99. We we're saw how y'all here. fucked up. This is how we're right. different. Because Coachella is really nothing more than a place where people go spend a lot of money to be seen. That's it. All of this is, oh, yeah. I mean, that's really what. And that was also the thing with Woodstock 99, too. Which yeah. you had a majority of people that were there to like see their favorite bands while there were people there that were, I'll be honestly just there to be seen. Yeah, because um, it was like the beginning of social media, really. It was when everybody and their mama thought they could run a blog. It was when the like the celebrity paparazzi culture was it was really starting to hit that like big up that stride of like yeah yeah so it's like of being a cash cow i think that was about the time that we only had the it was the original the originator to tmz something the bullet something i know what you're talking about i can't remember the name right now but um but that was just starting to like get Big internet culture was just starting. Which all of this is really born out of internet off. culture. This was a time where the fashion magazines still put like people on the street and they just would take pictures of people and like. So yeah, everybody was trying to be seen at Woodstock because they knew every yeah. publication was gonna be there. Yeah, if you were a celebrity, that was definitely the gig. And that's, that's definitely carried over to like if you were a celebrity or if you were a rich kid that really, really, really wants to be a socialite. Yeah. Um, I do appreciate them taking it back and talking about the uh, like Monterey Pop Festival, even talking about Glastonbury. Yeah. Which Glastonbury is that girl who wrote which I really as do far want as like to go to. Festival. I want to go to Same. one of these years. I've always watched um any of the Glastonbury videos that I can find. Yeah, I definitely and it's usually, Don't they usually stream it on YouTube every year? Yeah. Okay, I've watched it a couple of years. And it's like, just the time difference like gets time. me, so I usually miss it, but... Oh, see, I'm always coming home from work. Yeah, I'll be in the bed. Um, um, but I do, I, I really do want to go one of these years. I've been saying this since shit since I knew what it was. Like, I've been saying this for the longest that I've wanted to go to that. It's always... Okay, so this is the thing. Gladstonebury is always the place that the Spice Girls go to to reunite. No, you're, you're, you're correct. Um, so the next time they reunite outside of an Olympic event, because that's the other one, there's only two options. It's either an Olympics yeah. or Glastonbury. Outside of that, I will be there. <laughs> and speaking of the right. Spice Girls, that leads us right into our next episode. The power of music? It's Britpop. 
That was, they, see, that was my kind of, but that's our understanding of, right? So the way that they were defining Britpop for us, that was alternative. Because right. the blur was always the blur oasis. Who, um, again, who Bush. I love. Now, I yeah. get why, the thing is, I get why the blur and oasis were included in this because, yes, they were alternative, but just like Green Day and the Foo Fighters, like you couldn't get past any pop countdown that they weren't on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, all alternative was definitely was every like, fucking where. That and sh- fucking Champagne Supernova. Which yes. I still live for that song. Yeah, I um but it's like but this was that weird time where even nothing was defined in re in like ways that made sense to us, right? Like, yeah, it was alternative, but it also was kind of the sound of pop music. Just like with rap, it was like, yes, technically it's rap and hip hop, but this is the pop charts right now, you know. So it was yeah. a time where nothing was really defined or categorized any solid way. With this episode in particular, I felt like if they wanted to do the um, Blur Oasis battle, do that, that but don't leave it in the category. That's all it should have been. Yeah. Because at the same time of like them being like quote unquote Britpop, there was all of these like mass produced, company produced or reality show produced girl and guy groups that were coming out yeah, of- Like S Club 7 and like- S Club 7, Spice Girls, Spice um, Girls. All Saints, um, yeah. No Boys Allowed. Uh, there was like a-, a Boys and Take Five. They- take Five. There was yeah. a lot, I was expecting them to talk about that, not this and I just I that felt like this should have just been alternative in pop. They did, and that would have opened they it up a, a lot of time on the Blur Oasis thing. For that was a whole to, episode. Really. Yeah, and it's like for this to be a series about pop music, there is a lot of time spent on this beef that didn't even really play out here. You know what I'm saying, like. Because when I look at this, this uh, this series struck me very much as like, this is American pop, right? Okay. Because this kind of where we've been at. We've been talking about the impact this shit has had on American pop music. We've been talking, because you know, that's what we've been talking about. So when yeah. you think about the amount of time that was spent talking about the Blur Oasis beef, most of that shit People here didn't know about it. Had no. No, impact. I knew about it. I mean, people knew about it, but yeah. the the casual, like I knew, you knew, but we were more into them than just like the people hearing this on the radio. Like, if people heard a Blur song and an Oasis song on the radio that didn't know much about them, they just heard the songs. No, they, they would never sound know that you're hearing both songs because they bullied DJs into playing their songs back to back because they hate each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, you wouldn't know that. Yeah. So it was... I just... It was, I felt like there was just a, a really large missed opportunity just based on structure. 
This um, is very much the they, point in this series for me. Yeah. Like, had they opened up the alternative, had they opened it up to just alternative in pop, you would have gotten Oasis Blur, Bush, you would have gotten Ruka Salt, you would have gotten um, Garbage, you uh, yeah. Lush, L7. Like, you would have gotten uh, these groups that have made music that has been both international and, you know, stateside for both countries. Yeah. But you would have gotten a more concise story about alternative in, in pop. Mm-hmm. Versus doing this for like 35 minutes, talking about Bush and Oasis, and, Oasis, and then like right. five minutes when you mentioned the Spice Girls. And hold up, and not even to mention that Oasis, that Oasis disbanded because Noel and Liam hate each other. They hate each other. Like 45 minutes of this, and that wasn't mentioned. Like, it wasn't oh, yeah, even this talked about why the group doesn't make music together anymore. Like, not at all. They also like, not at all. talk about how, <laughs> which this was funny when I, this was funny to me when I heard this. So one of the big sticking points in why the Gallagher brothers hate each other is the song Wonderwall. <laughs> yeah. Because one hates it and the other doesn't. And yeah. They like fight about it. I'm like, really? Over Wonderwall? Like, it's cool. I mean, that's that twin thing. Yeah. They like literally want to murder each other. (laughs) You know, it's really funny too. So they're not the only two Gallagher brothers. One. (laughs) And that the other set of Gallagher brothers also hate each other. Yes. And have sued each other back and forth over um, use of the comedy routine. And look up Gallagher, y'all. And you will find Gallagher, you remember, smashing watermelons and shit. Yeah. It's the exact, it's so fucking funny. The yeah. fact that there are two sets of Gallagher brothers who both hate each other. And they both hate each other. Of, them, of their art. <laughs> but yeah, it's also like, it's seemingly like the name Gallagher and every spinoff of that name too, because you know, the Galileo brothers, the winemakers, they too hated each other. <laughs> The jug of wine people? Yes. Oh. They too hated each other and sued each other back and forth multiple times. I, hey, I wouldn't doubt it. Did, let me tell you something. Carlo and his Rossi is just sitting his ass there minding <laughs> his business and he like, you niggas go ahead and sue each other. Um, so I have a fun fact about Carlo Rossi, but I'll tell you after. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you if he sexually harassed somebody, I don't want to hear it. Like I just, I'm, I'm burnt out. <laughs> I was, I was so yeah, this the Britpop episode was very much a missed opportunity. It didn't nearly talk about the impact that British people had on American pop music, especially in that '99, because it was very it was super hero. Because it was like they didn't talk about, really talk about the Spice Girls or Craig David or uh, oh, yeah, Craig know, David, yeah. All the other Euro pop acts that kind of it's I always mix up Craig David and Craig Mack, and <laughs> it's just like, oh, here comes a brand new flavor, yeah. <laughs> uh, produce flavor, yeah, yeah. I was like, wait a minute, that nigga's British? It's like, oh no. Wait, no, he's from That's LA. That's 21 and, Savage. What? 21 Savage is British. He can go home. 
I'm gonna tell you this. All of these international blacks that like to come in and act a whole ass fool, you niggas can go. Pretty much that we got enough problems. It. He just wanna put hot sauce on that titties. He be chilling. Hey, that nigga <laughs> don't drink water. That's enough. <laughs> That's enough. Put I mean, a booty he drink water now. Soap. He learned. He drink water now. <laughs> he was taught. He drink water now. <laughs> yeah, for Amber Rose. At least he ain't out here going. Pop, pop, pop. <laughs> yes, and I also have no idea. Like, what? I don't, okay. You don't remember that nigga that Naomi was dating? Yes, no, I remember. And every time, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> uh, okay, nonetheless, definitely miss opportunity. It yeah, there's so many, because that could have been two different episodes, and so many things could have been. Really, it really could have been. Yeah. Um, th- definitely missed opportunity. Uh, it was still interesting, nonetheless, especially like. I mean, it was interesting to watch the story of these two bands play out, but I just wish it was yeah. more to it than just that. And it was it was cute to see the lead singer of Lush after all these years. I was like, okay, this is cute. Yes. I'm glad she's back. Never heard of. I don't remember Eco Belly at all. Who? Right. <laughs> eco belly she was the other kind of woman of color i'm assuming she was like south pacific islander i don't know that person okay well she was in a group that they talked to her and she probably said the most interesting thing she's like yeah two years ago we were selling out selling out shows and shit and then like two years later we're playing college shows and nobody shows up yeah well yeah Music and capitalism and marketing are fickle. Very much so. And also, and also, music's main audience is fickle. Yeah. Like, music is made for really 17 to 25. Yeah. Because, I mean, study... Old niggas don't listen to new songs. I was just about to say, studies show that after 25, people add three new songs a year to their playlist. That's not about right. So, yeah, they're not trying to sell this shit to you. But the thing is like, and you started to see it in 99, You that's when you started to see it. Because it was like the 99, 2000, that time, that was kind of the last time where we were between like 99 and 04, I'd say. That was kind of the last time we were kind of forced to kind of sit with the music because it's like the, the illegal pirating services are starting to happen. You got the Napster starting to happen. You got the record store is starting to shut down, you, you know? So I'd say like 2004 was kind of the last time we had to like sit and really sit with it. Cause you had to buy the whole CD, you couldn't buy a single. So you buy the whole CD and you're forced to kind of sit with the music in a way you don't have to now. No, the only thing you could buy was the single and the album, and that was it. You couldn't buy any oh, other, like, well, in Ohio, you couldn't buy, and a lot of the stores in Cincinnati, you couldn't buy singles, and they had stopped selling. What? Singles. 
a lot of them has by the time like 2000 2001 hit a lot of those stores had stopped selling singles see that's a damn shame and so it was like singles were where the hits were for me anyway they would like they would the only way they would sell a single is if the that remember when they started coming with like three or four different mixes on it yeah that's why I, always, I would always get a single well they started doing that because a lot of stores wouldn't sell it where you could buy it where it was just that song and then one other song from the album which is how they were selling them at first so they start putting all these weird mixes to so they can sell it for more than like three dollars you know what i'm saying because three dollars don't make them no money but you three you throw three four mixes on there and now you can sell that bitch for eleven dollars that i think that is more of a new school thing and i only say that because i'm thinking in, of where just kind of where i was at this time that's how yeah. because it's because i had to go to the mall you know what I'm saying? We didn't have like neighborhood record stores. Like, did we? Oh, we used to have Shantanique's. Yes, that was about. I used to live around. I forgot the about Shantanique's. But you see, like, when we lived in Detroit, we lived around the corner from Shantanique's, basically. We would walk there. But that's like yeah, your neighborhood cool. record store. Where and you Blockbuster Music. That's where I got a lot of shit from, too. But then when you, but if you're going like a FYE. See, no. But that's what we FYE had. FYE was already too expensive. When you got to Cincinnati, that's what we had. It was FYE or Suncoast. See, both of those too expensive. Because we had to go to the mall. And we didn't have no other option. There was, if you were in certain parts of the city, you could go to like everybody's or something like that. But only people, this is very Cincinnati, only about seven people going to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, <laughs> If you like, if you were like, if you were in Norwood or you didn't mind catching the bus or whatever, you could go to everybody's or something like that. But we were all the way out in the suburbs. It would have took us two hours to catch the bus to go to that record store, and we didn't know the neighborhood well enough. So no, we had to no. go to the mall. <laughs> I so a lot of my experience with like buying music has always been well. It was definitely blockbuster music for most of my life before that closed because everything was on sale because that bitch was dying slowly right it smelled like that blockbuster close to us we didn't have a bootleg man because of the neighborhood we was in bootleg man too yeah we i mean we we had to go to certain places we knew where to find one but it wasn't one just in the neighborhood and so it was like literally we had to go to the mall we were mall kids and you would go into the FYE and they had a little listening station and you would listen to them 10 second excerpts of them five songs. Oh, that shit, them that, hit clips, that bullshit. That hit clips ass shit. <laughs> they would let you listen to the whole, whatever the singles was and then like 15 seconds of the next couple songs. Yeah. And if you want to buy it or not. And we, you know, it was a mall that had like a Ticketmaster window in it. Like it was a mall. Like it was. So, I mean, that's what. So it's like even the process of buying a single, whereas you probably would have paid, you know, four or five dollars or whatever, maybe less. Right. For your single. For somebody like me, because I'm going to a FYE or Suncoast or one of the stores like that for me if it's less than eight dollars if it's 
at, if it's eight dollars, we got a deal. See, let me go to these stores that are dying. I'm gonna pick what's left off the carcass and go. <laughs> but it's like when you got most of the country shopping like me in these mall stores, does it make sense to carry singles? Because they, if the single eight dollars and the album fifteen, why not just buy the album? That's true. That is. It that don't is make true. sense to carry singles because who's gonna buy it? Actually, I think I got the first lady used uh, first lady album from a Fye. So the first, <gasps> I'm trying. To, I always think about like the first. Your CD first CD that I the first CD I owned was Brandy's first album. Oh, uh, okay. That's a cute one. That's age appropriate. That's the first one that I own. The first one I bought for myself was Puff Daddy and the Family. No way out. Bitch. I bought that and I bought um, Harlem World at the same time. Wasn't that Mace's album? Girl, bye. I have a Harlem World t-shirt that I wear all the time. Girl. Okay. <laughs> But yes, those were the first two that I bought myself. You want to know something funny. So Kay Michelle tells this story about when she met Mace, right? And how R. Kelly came to save her. Okay. <laughs> I hate to say it. That's why I don't trust Mace. Because if R. Kelly has to come and save somebody, then I damn sure don't trust your ass. Okay. And don't blame me. Blame K. Michelle. She told the story. I, yes. And I don't... Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to say okay, because whatever I say next is going to come off way more problematic than I mean it to, so it just don't matter. I know, because it's three, it's three awful people in the story at one time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, where do I turn for salvation? It don't matter what I'm about to say. It's about to sound mad problematic, so it's just right. not even worth it. Like there is no, there is no help coming. There's no. Help. No, there's no like saving grace in that story. I don't know. <laughs> um, but what they were talking about with Britpop, why we were talking about like the selling of albums and singles, um, they were talking about their like their record day war were both uh, Blur and Oasis mm -hmm. released singles at the same time. The difference, though, is that Blur was more established versus Oasis. Yep. So, of course, Blur sold more records. But also, too, Blur had their album as well as their single out on multiple platforms. Yep. So you had a record, you had a CD, you had a cassette, you probably had a fucking 8-track, you probably even had a Braille version. I know you could get a 45 because I actually just saw one not that long ago when I went to the record store. I wouldn't doubt it. Um, so of course, Blur, they didn't really crush them considering they the number of platforms. They didn't crush it in the way that I thought they would have, being that their music was so much more accessible. Yes. But, well, yeah. At this point, collectively and totally over three albums, Blur had two million records sold, while Oasis had roughly about 50,000. Mm -hmm. And this really bumped up 
um, awareness of Oasis as a group. Yeah. And after that, from the same album as, um, what was it, Ride Through It? Um, we get Wonderwall. Yeah. And then the following album, that last album, we get Champagne Supernova. Yes. Um, I listened to those last two albums a lot, actually. You know what's funny? My so, children enjoy Wonderwall. It's a, it's a really good song. It's they just a like really good song. Time. I don't trust these kids. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I love that song only because there is a bar here that when it comes time for you niggas to leave, they play Closing Time, and then they play the theme song to Seinfeld on repeat. Until that is leave. every single bar in Cincinnati. I'm like, you niggas got to go. Every bar that is frequented by white people in Cincinnati play Closing Time when it's time to leave. That well, is why they follow this song it up now with gets the Seinfeld theme song on repeat. That's why this song now gets on my nerves. Because oh yeah, because it's like y'all gotta go. It's like not. I really used. I did like that song a lot, but then two things happened. So the year it came out, this was one of my history teachers' three new songs. Mm-hmm. He would play "Closing Time" all the fucking time in class because yeah. he just really liked that song. If you went in his class before it started, he was listening to "Closing Time." He went back, he was listening to Closing Time because his prep periods were around where the, the period before and the period after my class. Mm-hmm. He was always listening to Closing Time. So for like a year, I heard this song in my history class, on the radio, literally every time I turned around, this damn song was playing. You know, and that then, song was on every like everywhere, every day. Everywhere. And they played it on all the stations. In all Central of the pop stations. Not just the pop stations, the R&B stations played it for a while. Jesus. So then we get past it and everybody's over it and I don't have to hear clo- They didn't play Closing Time at my prom. This is like... They didn't play End of the Road? <laughs> no. Although they did put that Vitamin C graduation song on <laughs> the It's definitely in there. <sighs> Great. I know she hates it. She made that song. But uh <laughs> I mean shit. I mean not, not really because she gets a coin <laughs> every the, year. That's the only thing she got a graduation coin. Vitamin C got a coin is, on. is the same as Christmas to Mariah. Like vitamin C gets a coin every she year. Say graduation. <laughs> graduation <laughs> is to vitamin C as Christmas is to Mariah. <laughs> I mean uh, yeah. vitamin every C year she's out here. Queen of Graduation. Uh-uh. That's going to be every goddamn. Like, I know she, I know she waiting until April pop up, like, oh, time for the checks to start to come, because that right. song is in every fucking commercial. That song is like... <laughs> like... I don't know why she doesn't have, like, a line of decorative stuff for your caps. Right. She really should sell Graduation. Might as well. Right. Step all the way C, in it. If Vitamin C starts selling... <laughs> graduation cap decoration she owes us a cut god damn it <laughs> do you remember the anti-idol show that vitamin c was a host on yeah okay for those of you who didn't know it was on the wb it was vitamin c and two other people i can't think of who those people were but it was like the worst people who could sing 
and vitamin C was one of the judges, right? So yeah. all the judges were continuously lying to these people. And that they that show was fucked up. Like up yeah. until like the actual finale when they had them sing live. So I just I was just talking about this show for some reason because you know I made what, go her. watch it. I made Bo watch it because he had never seen it before. Fuck vitamin C. So I made him watch the parts we could find. And he was like, but why do they do? I said, that's the whole gimmick of the show. They hype up these terrible ass singers so they can make them look bad in the end. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to publicly humiliate everyone. Thanks, Vitamin C. And Thank everybody you. else involved. I everybody like else gets graduated. We're going to humiliate you. Hmm? I feel like Ryan Seacrest was involved in that show. It probably was because Ryan Seacrest is probably is one of the most like messy, haphazard producers I've ever seen in my life. Like the shit that Ryan Seacrest puts his name on, I'm like, you are really out here just to make money. He just, yeah, like it's just like you are the Woodstock '99 of television. And very much so, because he's like, I'm gonna do all of it. I'm gonna fuck up his quality. Yes, he's white Tyler Perry. Um. I think that pretty much wraps up Rip Pop. Uh, one of the, the drummers from the Blur is now a dairy farmer. So yes, which is so fun. I was like, this is very random, but that's what happens. When but that's why it's you're so old good. And make it's like, this music. makes no fucking sense. <laughs> it's I don't know. It's what for whatever reason it's what happens. I know. Just like it also makes no sense that every morning. Mark McGrath posted a video of him asking himself a random question and answering it. It doesn't make any sense. Sugar, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. He his like morning coffee chats. And it's like, it's every single morning he'll post a video where he'll ask himself the most random questions and he'll go on these like 30 minute diatribes about whatever the fuck he just asked himself. You know what though? If, if this is going to be your internet space, by all means, have it. It's, it's, so it's, I've watched a couple. It's funny, but it's so random. <laughs> I look, to be perfectly honest, I'd rather have him doing this than trying to make any kind of a comeback tour. And uh, I know it's well, coming. I mean, they are actively on tour, so. Oh my God. Is it with Sugar Ray and Sugar Ray and All Star? Was that All Star? Smash Mouth was Smash Mouth. Mouth. The name of the song is All Star. Yeah, no, they're actually with Corn, which is a random pairing. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Sugar Ray. I know there's gonna be like there's a festival of some sort in which Sugar Ray and Corn are in the same place. Probably. I feel like James Addiction is also there, which is very wild. Maybe Lollapalooza if they ever bring that. No, it's not Lollapalooza. That is their terrible. lineups are random, but not usually Did random. Watch it be the Cincinnati Jazz Fest. Somebody who used to work at Woodstock 99 fucked up and got a job there. <laughs> ah. Um, I think that pretty much wraps up Brit Pop. It was a lot right. of like Sugar Ray tour dates. They're gonna be in Rahway, New Jersey. Okay, makes sense. Is that a casino? Wait, pause. So this show, oh God, it's Lance Bass with 
I don't know if it's all of Sugar Ray or just Mark McGrath. Old Probably Town. just Mark McGrath. Because it says Lance Bass with Mark McGrath, Old Town, Sugar Ray, and LFO. What? I don't know. Where? New Jersey? Yes. That sounds New Jersey. At the Union County Performing Arts Center. What the fuck? What? Okay. What else is LFO going to sing but that one song? But LFO singers dead. Their lead singer's dead. So, so who's singing the song? I, I'm very confused. I think I, I have one wish. Because girls get down LFO. for the summer. For the summer. That is LFO. Oh, wait. When you say I wish I could eat some spinach and grits. <laughs> I'll take it if I had one wish. You want to go see Sugar I'd like me a little bit of fish in the summer. <laughs> so this one is Sugar Ray, Lance Bass, LFO, O-Town, and Ryan Cabrera. Who the fuck is Ryan Cabrera? Is he <laughs> one of them Latinos that be on Twitter saying the N-word? Oh, no, that's Camila Cabrero. Camila Cabello. Oh. Like, I'm going to tell you this. Any musician under the age of 30 outside of Chloe and Hallie, I, all of you niggas are the same, regardless of genitalia or Ryan sound. Ryan Cabrera is like 40 years old. He, he falls in this category. <laughs> I think he dated Ashley Simpson for a while. Did he? I believe That so. had to be like a good 15 years ago. because That's what I'm Evans saying. For the last like 10. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. She said, I got me some good black dick and I'm not letting that go. Which, okay. Can you imagine? Can you imagine family holidays at the Simpson Ross home with Jessica Simpson and Diana Ross in the same place? I know. That feels feels so fun to me. Like, I want to be there. It just feels like they be drunk and just singing at each other for no reason. Just, like, singing the most random commands, like, pass the potatoes or some shit like that. (laughs) I would be stressed because I would think that Diana Ross is just over it. It, No. No. That's the one. She she loves her. Does she? because like she posts a bunch of videos from her birthday party when she mm-hmm. turned 70 and it's and Jessica like, Simpson was there Jessica and Ashley yeah. like she loves her like really? there's a video of like Tracy Diana Jessica and Ashley like on stage all like linked arm in arm singing like they they love her that's kind of, that's a little bit of a gag okay <laughs> So that's why I said they would it would be like the battle of the hair and highways. It'll just be like they'll just be drunk and just singing random commands at each other. See, after that like altercation, after that altercation years ago with Diana Ross and outside of a blockbuster, I just kind of all imagined hers being like very sweet but also surly and over it. No, they got past all that. All that's all that's past. I don't know why we try to pretend like that shit ain't real. That shit happened. And I know it happened. I'm not the only person. I know what I know. If you know what I know, then you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that wraps up Rip Pop. Yeah. Then it was like 
the episode with about the protest songs it didn't turn all the way over for me it just seemed kind of half-assed yeah it felt like they were trying they just needed to do something so they felt like they did something you know what i'm saying like they it felt very much like we need we have to throw a message in here yeah One of my lights just fail. Oh. <laughs> well, forever she shall remain there. Yes. Um, no, it did. It felt like it felt kind of like a filler episode. Yeah. It's like we're gonna we're just throwing this in so we can say we touched that part. I will say this though. I personally am very happy that they had Chuck D and not Flavor Flag. So because <laughs> they almost never get flavor flav when they're actually talking about the music no never they get flavor flav when they're talking about stuff like oh what do Fuck you shit. impact was or something like that but when they're talking about the actual music they almost never talk to him no they always thank god i was like please don't please don't cut any like cut any corners please thank you i'm glad it's at least shakti yeah. Um, having Flav up there pontificate on national television about like blackness and black identity makes me highly uncomfortable. Having Flavor Flav on national television in any capacity makes me That's what I was saying. highly I uncomfortable. Pontificate about almost But also slightly entertained. Mm. More than slightly entertained. I'm only entertained when he tells you how to quit fucking with him and calling him Boosie. <laughs> That is very funny. <laughs> what? What? Oh, yeah. He I've wants never... to run up to Flavor Flav and call him Boosie. And he's like, y'all gonna quit fucking with me. <laughs> he okay. gets very pissed. <laughs> Bitch, did you ever watch Eric Andre's Andre show? No. Did you ever, you never saw the clip where uh, Flavor Flav got roundhouse kicked in the face by Hannibal Burris? No. <laughs> sounds insane. It is. It is the most manic shit. <laughs> and Flavor Flav is not here for any of it. And out, out of nowhere, Hannibal Burris roundhouse kicks this nigga dead in the fucking face. Mm-mm. It is horrible it is so horrible this sounds like literal insanity <laughs> like it just it sounds insane oh it's one of my favorite tv moments ever it's so bad it don't um, sound like shit i'm trying to watch um <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay nonetheless so yeah this episode about like protest songs just it it felt really devoid i mean it was like we got some cool information but I just felt like it could have went a little bit further. Um, yeah, it's like, it's the same with the Brit Pop. It was like, yeah, we got some decent information, but there was so much more that you could have hit, so much more you could have talked about. Right. Especially given that y'all started this series with Boys to Men, so y'all already have talked about kind of what was going on in R&B at the time and then the LA riots and all that stuff and it's like y'all had the perfect place to jump off because y'all started in the middle of it anyway yeah to not really take it home 
you you saw what they did though with the structure of it. They started with Voice to Men, they moved into Auto Tune, and then they went essentially double back to they Voice to Men. Back, yeah. Um, I feel like I would like this show more if it focused on one overarching topic, not as broad as pop, but yeah. um, more more uh, more narrow, and spent like six episodes just doing that. So I think that for somebody, for people like us who really take the time to kind of study the music and kind of look at the history and, you know, kind of why things happened the way they did and kind of where the stuff came from, this is unsatisfying, right? It was. I mean, the people who. It wasn't bad. For like a nostalgia thing, this is perfect for them. Because it's just like, oh, I remember this song and this song and I remember when that happened, you know, because it's like they're not, they're watching it with the purpose of reminiscing, not the purpose of information. Whereas people like this, that we're watching it because we genuinely want the information because we're interested in the history behind the songs and that kind of stuff. So this yeah. did just come off a little unsatisfying. Not bad, just unsatisfying. We also have been spoiled with shit like um, Behind the Music and the, what are the two, name of the two on TV one? Unsung and Uncensored or some shit like that? I just, um, Unsung, I don't know what the hell. One of them has like, it does music and actors. We're just going to call it Unchained. Shit show. See, this is why I don't be talking to y'all yes, now. Um, now I gotta see what this goddamn show is called. <laughs> okay, so we've been spoiled with these shows that have been have an ability to take a topic, an overarching topic, and tell more of the details, not completely flesh out details, but still craft a complete story. Yeah. Um, this wasn't this wasn't yeah this wasn't um what is this show i'm um, really trying to i really don't hold on i think it's called uncensored unsung hollywood no 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 it's not unsung hollywood there's another one there's a different one i'm looking through i see life she and lyrics, unsung hollywood into true crime stuff Mm. A bunch of forces, bunch of is Monica hosting it? No, I tried to watch that show. It was, yeah. I watched a little bit of that. I was like, this is so all right, girl. Unsung presents music and the movement. Okay. Um. Oh, it is what? a show called Uncensored. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, oh, this is uns- the show that Remy Ma was on, and she was like, I didn't actually shoot nobody, but it was only my story versus hers, so what you think about that? Like, it's like, um, ma'am. I'm going to just say this. Anytime I'm ever in the same vicinity as Remy Ma, I'm going to have a couple of phone books duct taped to my stomach. What I will say is, 
I absolutely love and adore Remy Ma. <laughs> and if the bitch got shot, she probably deserved it. <laughs> because Remy Ma just don't strike me as the type to just shoot a bitch for no reason. That is true. Like, she watch her not, love and hip hop. She don't boss up on nobody for no fucking reason. She don't strike me as the type to just shoot. She strike me as the type of minding her fucking business, and then somebody tried her and got shot. Yeah. Well, there. Was, um, you remember that one scene with the girl that was decorating Ross thing, Ross fashion show, and she looked at Remy Ma and was like, "Who is this? And what do you do?" And Remy Ma was like, "I rap." I smack bitches. <laughs> I remember that. I said, oh, that's an appropriate, appropriate answer. I mean, that wasn't an inappropriate response because, bitch, why are you talking to me like that? Right. I rap. I smack bitches. So that's what I'm saying. I can't. Um, I cannot envision a circumstance in which she just jumped off the edge and shot this hoe. What if Remy Ma? Okay, just kind of tying it back home. What if Remy Ma came up with a protest song? What do you think that would sound like? Agree. Is it is conceded a protest song? I mean, it could be. <laughs> I mean, Trey is conceded a, a feminist song. anthem. You said what? Trey Songz released a protest song. Why is this this nigga come up on a weekly basis? He does. It's weird because I ain't talked about this nigga this much in years. In years. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why Trey Song got a protest song? I don't, I mean, he was protesting, so maybe he just fell moved. Was he doing the Saucy Santana All Lives Matter? No. Okay. He was actually out there riding bikes and shit. He, he was out there. Oh, shit. Okay. All right. Trey. He got COVID at a protest. I thought he got COVID at a club. No, he because before he got, he didn't start wilding until after he got over COVID. Oh. Before he was actually doing what he was supposed to do. And then he got COVID and started spitting in bitches' mouths. Yes. Okay. Well, hitting people with car, hitting people's hands with cars. Knocking their nails, knocking their French tips off. <laughs> I'ma tell you this bitch. I'ma knock your French tips off. Which if you Watch used to wear if you were in French tips, like square French tips in the year of our Lord 2021, I hope someone knocks them off. Uh uh-uh, you know that that's coming back. I don't like it. I don't care. <laughs> just like I don't like patchwork denim, just like I don't need them rubber top Steve Madden wedges. I don't need none of that shit. I don't like any of it. <laughs> Yeah, girl, all that shit's coming back. Sorry, y'all, I was sneezing. I know, but you know, the early 2000s was like a graveyard for fashion, so why? It was it was disgusting and aggressive. We could have skipped over all of this shit. <laughs> but I will say this, majority of the clothing was very comfortable. Because mm-hmm. it was either nine sizes too big or hung halfway off your ass. Or velour. Or velour. Yes, this is um, what I was telling. It was a sweatsuit, or it was <laughs> way too goddamn big. Like, who the fuck needs pants with a forty-two inch diameter leg opening? You don't. <laughs> I think I'm sure you had them, but <laughs> you yeah. don't no, I mean them. to hide things. 
No. I'm gonna smuggle some shit in, bitch. No one needs that. And when I, I am kinda those kids at my high school like wearing those in school. Because what always happens is it rains and oh my god, and the bottoms will get now so the disgusting. bottoms are super wet and gross and they're falling off, off, all frayed and falling apart. But that was part of the appeal, though. That's how no, you I know that your trip I, pants were everything. Yeah, and it's ugh, so many kids in my school wear them. Especially if you happen to be one of those kids with the trip pants and the platforms, you knew your shit was good. Yeah, and the wallet chain and the graphic t-shirt with the striped sleeve shirt underneath. Which I kind of want some trip pants and some platforms. Yeah, you have fun. Yeah, I want something airy. I mean, you can get it. I, I've seen it because I bought, I just bought. Um, I want some linen trip pants. I just bought a pair of bell bottoms. I think that's a, that's what I need to look up. Just linen bell bottoms. I just bought a pair of of of, of denim bell bottoms, and I actually saw them when I was buying my bell bottoms. See, trip pants for women. Yeah, but I've also always loved bell bottoms and hated when they stopped selling them. I was very sad when they stopped selling them. Okay. I mean, that's the silhouette of the pant got very skinny and then wide leg pants happened again. I said, yes, it's only a matter of time for the bell bottom comes back. But then they brought back boot cut before and I was like, what the fuck are y'all doing? This is not the trajectory. I don't understand people. I don't understand boot cut. It's, it's like so- get a get an actual flare or get a straight leg. Boot cuts make no sense. They make no sense. Like, <laughs> and I love a straight leg jean. But a bitch loves a bell bottom. <laughs> or a good kick flare. Ugh. <laughs> not a, oh, a kick flare. Uh-oh, wait a minute. We got to <laughs> add the kick to it. <laughs> oh, shit. Y'all better look out. This bitch got on her kick flare. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Nelly. <laughs> um. Oh, okay. So let's wrap this episode up with protest songs before because mm-hmm. we've been on a tangent for the last like five minutes. Yes, um, about Kate Claire James. <laughs> we we get to see the I'm just gonna say it, the revenge of the pussy hats. Um yeah. and I put it that way because uh that pussy hat moment in time amongst like women's rights was very complicated mm-hmm. um and it spoke more to uh white women and white, white women's place in the world versus anyone else's so that's why i refer to the pussy hats as that because i mean like this was your form of work was putting on a pink pussy hat mm-hmm. um nonetheless uh they speak to oh my god i can't remember i just had her name and i can't remember it um they speak to a woman who actually wrote a protest song. Um, it was born out of her own trauma and trying to deal with her own sexual assault that had happened 10 years prior. Um, <clears throat> it took place at the Women's March, January 21st, 2017. I believe that was the date. Um, and she and some friends, a collective of women, were singing this song. She has a beautiful voice. She's the lead singer. Yes. Um, and people around are filming. 
And of course it goes viral. And the next day she sees it and she sees she has 14 million views on this one video. Um, she's then, you know, kind of thrust it a in a little bit of way into the world of like songwriting even more so. Uh, and she talks about like in the process of that, she's receiving hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of letters a day from sexual assault victims. Um, and how she's, and I, the one thing that I thought was really cool about this is she was like, yes, and I, I am, and I'm still working through these letters. Yeah. Um, like being willing to take the time out to answer the call that was placed before you from other people. Um, who, what other protest songs can we talk about? And those are really Fight the Power and that were the only two there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, no, they talked about the transition in Motown, which that was really yes. cool. And I'm glad they talked about that. Yes, yes. Because um, a lot of people tend to ignore that when they start talking yeah. about these type of things. Because there's a very big difference. Yeah, because Barry Gordy was very much like, we not doing none of that shit. Barry, <laughs> that nigga shit over there. Barry Corey said, you were going to be the good niggas. You are going to be the good hard R's. Y'all yep. can't fuck up. Like, your image is everything. You have to present yourself in X amount of way in order to take be it seriously. Y'all going to be all times. Y'all going to be the not like others. Y'all mm -hmm. going to be the, yeah, no. Uh, y'all going to be the ones that when people say, I have black friends, y'all are the black friends. Yes. <laughs> um, And they ended up, it was after the um, assassination of Martin Luther King, you start to see more of, what? you start to see more of that kind of influence mm -hmm. throughout, just throughout Motown in general. But they really focused on Temptations, um, which, which when I heard that song, you know what I thought about? What? Sister Egg 2. Yes. <laughs> you I remember them about it, like, yes. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought about. It was like, oh shit, I forgot the Temptations song this song. I forgot Temptations song. I just remember it from Sister Act 2. <laughs> it's a lot of songs in that movie that I forgot who the original artists are because I just attributed to that movie. Same. <laughs> um, but they got an interview with Otis Redding talking about um, just the, the transition and the importance of like what they're doing now within their music. Um, you had Marvin Gaye with what's going on. Um, and that was in sharp contrast uh, to what he had been previously singing, especially with like Tammy Terrell. Yes. Tammy Terrell is a whole other basket that constantly yeah. gets ignored. That's um, the, yeah. Yeah, and I feel uh, like it's David Ruffin. Girl, not even that. Like I'm just saying her in general, but David Ruffin's another one that's a whole, they oh. a whole episode by himself. Okay. Yeah, okay. I was like, not no, not their release, not them doing anything. No, oh, no, her. her whole life. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Terrell is a, a tough one. Um yes, she is. But it was it was a cute little it was a cute little foray into the importance of music and the movement, which but, I mean, which is very true because music is always tied deeply and intricately to oh, very much on a so. personal level and on a cultural level. I mean, that's what Woodstock was like. Yeah, yeah. 
Because I think, see, for me, for this, and I know there's one more episode that I don't really remember anything about, but... Oh, no, we got one that we both remember. So we can just put that one on there, too. Because that one is the important one, country. Okay. Yes, because we skipped that for some reason. (laughs) Yeah, you went kind of out of order, but I was like, it doesn't matter because... Yeah, it's not like they... Yeah, but so as far as, like, the thing about this series, by the time I got to this point, I kind of, I kind of saw what I felt like happened. Because the first, like, five are done really well. Okay. And then the others, like, because, let's see, the boys to men, auto-tune, the country, the festivals, those were all done really, really well. And then the latter half was like, like they were scrambling to try to make everything fit. You know what I'm saying? Kind of, yeah. Like we have to talk about this. We have to talk about this. We have to talk about this. We have to. And it's like they had, it's like they had too many ideas up on the wall. And missed and a lot of what they should have. They missed about. a lot of what they should have because they couldn't figure out how to narrow it down. Yeah. Because you could, the thing about when you're coming something as broad as pop music. Hell, each year could be an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like because popular culture shifts so much, pop music changes all the time. Daily. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, you have that that certain type of music that is always called pop because they don't know where else to put it. Mm-hmm. Like a Britney Spears, like you know, something like that. But then it's but all their music fits somewhere else too. Could, could, yeah. Because half of Britney Spears' music is dance music. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you don't know where to put them, but it's usually because they kind of fit in a couple of different places. So, like, there's that, but that, it when you think about, when you talk about pop music in the sense of what hits the pop charts, it's literally just whatever's popular. Because right. there was a point in time where 19 of the top 20 songs on the pop charts were rap songs. Or songs with rappers. Or songs with the rappers on yeah. them. And then, you know, but there was also a point in time where the top 10 were by country artists. That was, let's save that portion, because that was yeah. my gripe with country. Well, are we done with protest songs? Yeah. Okay, let's get in the country then. Um, that wanna, was my gripe. Wait, with, you want like to hold on, hold on, hold on. You want to end this episode here, and then we can pick up country in the next episode. Yes. All right. All right. Bye, y'all. We're doing double duty. Go. So go fuck yourselves. Just stop asking questions. Bye. Y'all. <laughs>